Hi, this is Kind and Good, the podcast for the Get Your Shit Together for Stepmoms webpage. So here we go. Kim Jones here, and I am your host. Um, Today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, follow up on kind of where I'm at today. Um, Today, I am working on self-care, so I wanted to have that be the focus of the podcast today. I have been engaged in self-care probably only in the last couple of years. I think as a stepmom, sometimes you get caught up in the whole whirlwind of, for me, I didn't have uh, kids coming in, and so it was learning uh, the nuances of mothering and then the other steps um, involved, no pun intended, and um, trying to negotiate, navigate, um, exchange with the other adult parties in the space, which includes the ex-wife, my now husband, um, his parents, uh, the ex-wife's family, um, teachers and school and things of that nature. And as the podcast goes along, I'll definitely go into more detail about some of my own experiences with just sort of the sabotaging things or um, things that individuals thought were protective, but ended up being really difficult um, booby traps probably for me to um, exchange within. I think coming in, I was pretty naive. I thought that everybody was here for the same good or the same thing. And uh, I think as a step parent, you come to find that that's not necessarily the case. I was, again, a woman without kids. So there are a lot of um, thoughts about how I wouldn't know how to be a mom or I didn't know how to manage taking care of kids, which is super weird. I have an older brother who had five kids. His first child lived with us. So I was virtually mothering her, but I think more so like I'm a 43 year old woman who's had a lot of experience and a lot of different spaces managing, taking care of and nurturing children. So I think it's kind of weird to imagine because a child um, didn't come out of your body that you can't be mothering, um, but that's not assumed of an adoptive parent, right? So super strange sort of, um, archaic concept around parenting, but I think it, it insulates people so that they feel a little bit more empowered, maybe. Um, I'm not sure that's necessarily the word that I am most comfortable using, but I'm not really interested in being polarizing either. Um, because again, it's, it, this is just my experience, and I don't think that um, other people's experiences are necessarily bad. Um, I just, I, I'm just coming from where I'm coming from. Yeah. So I was just, I was trying, right. But I didn't know what I was doing. And then I think I, I started having some mentors and, um, colleagues that were doing different things that sort of resonated with me. And I talked to, I didn't, I don't know any other stepmoms who are in my exact situation, which is why I opened up this podcast. Like I don't know mixed people who are mixed race, which I am, who are also in a family of primarily one race or another. I'm in a family where everybody is 
identified as white. I didn't have anybody to sort of bounce that off of. I tried to talk to people about being a stepmom. There's lots of stepmoms out there, right? The divorce rate is high. We know that. And so there's lots of people that are in blended families, but there was a different dynamic. There was an underlying different dynamic. And so, right. I wasn't really focused on self-care at the beginning because I was just, I would say almost surviving. I was in a survival mode. Um, there was an onslaught of accusations about almost treating me like I, I had been like an other woman. Um, there was a lot of statements about how, um, my ex wasn't thinking about the kids and the idea of being remarried or, um, at the, at the time engaged. Um, I, I didn't really understand the dynamic. And I think that's one of the things that, um, happens at, at the beginning of a relationship maybe in general, but the uniqueness of a, a blended family or a situation where there are kids involved. And I, I don't think that there's any reason to fault a person for being in the space that they're in with this is that, um, there, there are ch- children, right? And so there is a different dynamic with that. There's a different need for care with that. Um, and I was being really careful in that, um, my, as I said, in the, one of the first podcasts, I wasn't really wanting to date somebody with kids. I already knew that these dynamics existed in my professional life. I worked with families and parents and, and kids and step families and blended families that had dynamics that had gone sideways. And so I, I hadn't really seen a lot of situations where great things came from blended families. And so it wasn't something I was looking to get into. Um, and so I was really cautious. I'd say like the first meeting that I had with my husband's ex, uh, really solidified my thought process around not really necessarily wanting to do a deep dive into a blended family. Uh, she invited me to Starbucks. I was really excited. thought this was going to be a great opportunity for us to be on the same page. And, and frankly, I'm a fairly utopic person. So I thought, you know, we both are interested in getting to know each other. I would hear about sort of what her boundaries were and her expectations. She would hear me out from my perspective and where I'm coming from. And that was not anywhere near what happened. Um, I met her at Starbucks. Um, she immediately, I had just had a hysterectomy. I had uh, tumors that, um, required, I have Crohn's disease too. And, um, I had tumors that were requiring an immediate hysterectomy because they were adhering to my, my intestine and, um, they were causing some other, um, emergent concerns. So I, I had an emergency hysterectomy. I've learned that I needed to have it within like weeks. And so, um, of course my now husband had told her that I was having the surgery. And so the first thing that she said when I sat down besides like a sort of like very sort of superficial greeting was, I heard that you can't have kids anymore and you can't have mine. (laughs) So, um, that was sort of a searing, um, first encounter. And, and then I just, I was kind of just shaken and floored and reeling from it. Um, from there, she told me I wasn't going to take her kids or her family away from her. I was not expecting this. So I was like, what family? You're divorced. And um, it, it just was a very downhill exchange from there. And that I just sat there staring at her, confused about what was going on and why she was being so confrontational. 
Um, I wasn't the other woman. I had met him five years after they were divorced. So it wasn't like anything like that. But I just, I was just floored. I mean, I've never encountered that kind of a thing, even in like law practice or anywhere where it's fairly confrontational. I've never been in a space where somebody just like went for the jugular in such a, just a horribly aggressive way. I literally was days out of my hysterectomy, I think like two, two weeks. And so, um, that was, that was really surprising. I, she doesn't know anything about me, but I had had, um, two miscarriages. Um, one that was, um, uh, pretty, um, it was really dramatic. And then another that I think there there's not a situation where you have a miscarriage where it's not dramatic, but, um, either way, um, I, I just, it was just really shocking. Right. So, um, and then I like kind of felt like I was in a defensive mode after that. Like I came back and I told my then fiance, I was like, Oh my goodness, what was this? And he was, his first response was, I hope she's okay. I should talk to her. And, um, those of you who are listening and you're a step mom now, I imagine that you've had that experience before or something that looked like it, where you just are like, what just happened? But me, I, what? <laughs> like, she just like ripped at the like deepest area of my existence um, because not every woman is looking to be a mom, but I had been through things where I had made attempts. I really tried. And so that's just like, oh, I was shocked, honestly. Okay, but I don't want to get off track. So at any rate, like I at the beginning, I just wasn't, there was not a lot of self-care. Like we, I'd been at different events where there were confrontations with her family. Her brother kind of like got into my space at a, a game that my son was playing, my now, my, my now stepson is, was playing at and um, just like gave me almost like an inquisition. He was like, where do you work? What education do you have? Like just kind of crazy things. And so I felt like I needed to respond to those things at that time. I felt like I needed to almost was like it was an interview at points and um, different spaces where people were asking me to just sort of explain myself. And I felt like I needed to. And it was reminiscent of other spaces in my life where that had gone on. And one of the things that just kept coming up is I've you obviously know you're on this podcast, you know, one of the dynamics is race. And one of the things that just kept kept coming up. And one of the things that besides the comment that I just um, disclosed about the hysterectomy was um, his ex-wife said, I hate the idea of the kids calling her mom. And that was really, I just really hadn't given a lot of thought to that. Um, I, again, utopic, goofy little me, I'm thinking, they're my stepkids. They obviously like, we really don't look anything alike. I, my, my, my brother does have um, some children that are, um, I guess if they wanted, they could say that they were white, but I don't, I've never had that experience where somebody was like, you can't have somebody calling you mom because, and then the implication is that because you're black. And so, um, and, and she, she stated it later, right? So there were a lot of comments and things that later came up. So in the first several years, self-care just really wasn't a focus. And so in this podcast, after all this talking, what I really want to focus on is self-care. So in the career that I'm in, and I think just in the culture of my family, there wasn't really a time for self-care. And I think culturally, 
just from the the cultures, the actual like ethnic cultures that I come from, it it isn't always the focus either. Um, I'm a Native American Comanche Indian woman, and I'm also Black um, Nigerian, and have other American kind of fixture mixtures in there. <laughs> but um, the the culture of my family was that you work, you just keep going. There's no such thing as self-care. Sleeping is self-care. Like that's what it was where I grew up. And so um, I hadn't really given the concept. I saw people like going for facials. I, I come from a suburban environment. So people were doing all of the things that um, people do in, in self-care environments that I've learned about, you know, it's facials, nails and, um, and um, massage and, you know, take your pick. I just hadn't really thought about it. And it wasn't something that occurred to me. I tried meditation, I think in my early 20s. Like, and by trying, I mean, like, if anyone's tried meditation, when you didn't really understand the concept or sort of the underlying underpinning framework of, of, of meditation, probably that looked weird for you, or you're just like, I don't know what to do. You're like sitting there, your eyes half open, once closed, and you're like, am I doing it? And so that was the experience that I absolutely had with meditation. Um, but I bought all the stuff, right? So I got the yoga mat, I had a cushion, a poof or whatever, and and I had music, I had like really meditative music before there was like the, the kind of music that, um, that I don't know, it's like, <laughs> It's not even really about music, is it? Yeah, so I just, I didn't know what I was doing. And I uh, started talking with people on sort of just like a basic level, like how do you relax, right? So it's really more about that. I have some friends, really close friends who do running. And I thought, oh gosh, I'm going to do that. My older brother used to run. Um, he was an excellent runner. If there's like a definitive runner, he's that. Um, he would just run for miles and miles and he found it very relaxing. And the, the close friends that I have that run, that's what they, um, they do and they find it extremely relaxing. I'm the clumsiest clod and running like it is the most stressful thing for me. Like, I'm just like, I am going to try to run and I'm going to try not to just completely twist my ankle. I have a Peloton tread. I've fallen off of it several times before that I had a order track. Like I'm just not, it's not my thing. Right. But I try, but I know that it's not the most relaxing thing. I know that it's intended for exercise for me, but for some people it's, it's relaxing. What I've come to realize over the years is self-care is about the kinds of things that cause you to find peace. And I really honestly didn't know what that even meant. I didn't have a definition for peace or how to find or attain peace. So then I just really wasn't in a, in a, in a space to find, find it. So I spent some time, I did some journaling. I'm a journaling kind of person off and on, to be honest, I don't do it all the time, but when I do, it helps me to center myself. What is it exactly that I'm trying to achieve? What am I missing and how can I fill or uh, bridge those gaps? So what I figured out is that I like, I do like to meditate, but I do it through the Peloton app and I've done more Peloton meditating than I have done, um, the tread. I've done a lot of tread exercise too. And I do find that relaxing, but I found that I'm a walker. I'm not really a runner. I jog a little bit. I find that empowering to do it intermittently. So I'm a hit type exerciser. 
Um, but what I've really learned is that you've got to find your own peace. And so self-care is about peace. Self-care is about finding that balance. And when you're in the middle of the whirlwind or the tornado of stepmothering, it's really hard to find that. So um, it's going to be, I, I hate to say it, like for me, it was hitting a rock bottom. Like I was I was really in a bad space. Um, I had been kicked and really harmed and abused as a stepmom. Um, Ex-wife made accusations about me harming the kids. I've never ever harmed anybody. And the way that she described, um, she like went to the school. She, She went above and beyond and really trying to remove me, which was one of the things that she said, one of, I didn't say here um, initially, because I'm going to talk about that first meeting like in depth. But one of the other things she said is that I won't stop at anything to remove you from my family. And um, I didn't even know what she was talking about, but she has made good on that statement. So self-care wasn't on my list of things. I was really just trying to fit in right? And I think that there's other spaces in my life where that's been the case um, throughout my life where I've tried to fit in at the expense of my wellness. And so as a step parent, as a stepmom, and specifically as a stepmom of um, kids that are, you're in a blended family where you are the odd person um, in the, in the scenario, you have to find that peace. Um, This year, I do a thing every year where I try to come up with like a word or a phrase or something that is going to be definitive for what I need to be focused on that year. And it's been useful for me just to be um, be aware of, of where my grounding is. And so last year, my word was joy. I said, I just want to feel like I can, the only thing I worry about is if I'm going to have tea or a latte. And my, I said it in jest, but I really, what I mean by that is that I just didn't want to have to be worrying about all this stuff. And this year, my phrase is letting go and my word is transformation. And so both of those things in concert mean that I have to be open to things. So I've been open to almost everything that's reasonable and not illegal that's come my way. And that has been extremely helpful. Um, it, it doesn't have to be something that is just like, oh, that's how everybody always does it. You're like, you're already in a non-traditional space. You're already non-traditional. So no need to be like, well, everyone that I see meditating crosses their legs and stops eating for 60 days. Like that's maybe not your deal. It's not my deal. So meditation for me is um, I go to bed with meditation at night. I take a unisom and I engage in meditation during the day. Sometimes I'll do a five or 10 minute meditation to quiet my mind. Um, I do intermittent fast. Quarantine has been ridiculous. I've definitely engaged in the overeating that a lot of people have um, engaged in. So I got to get that back under control. But um, I do a lot of meditating. The other thing that I do is I walk when I can and if I want. So I don't want it to be stressful. And although I am not at the moment at my weight goals, I want to be at my mind goals first so that I can get to my weight goals, if that makes sense. Like I, I genuinely do not think that you can be in your best space if your mind is not right. And I know that for a fact because early on in this whole thing, I was like, I need to be this and I need to be that. And I was like striving and working and grasping and pulling and yanking and 
oh my gosh, it was out of control how hard I was working to try to fit into the space. And there was just this moment of calm around my house. One of the um, phrases that I use from Psalm that like is just so important to me is be still. And I will be really honest, I didn't even know what that meant when I first heard it. I was like, be still, I got to get moving. But really, it's that moment of pause where you just let it all go. And when I realized how important it was to be still, to hear what other people have to say, to be still, to see what's really going on, to see where you fit into the pieces of the scenario. For me, it was the like moment where... And just in the last several years and months, in some ways, I've recognized the the beauty of stillness. And it's gotten me onto a different path of self-care. So here are the pieces that I've used. Meditation. Number one is meditation. I do use the Peloton app. I think that you can use lots of different things. And I teach, um, I'm a professor too. So some of the stuff that I sometimes offer is like things on YouTube. Like don't try to reinvent something and don't feel like you're doing it wrong because you use something that's commercial or um, like YouTube. Um, Just do it. If it works for you, that's what it is. That's your like, I always do this like click, click thing with my hands. Like you're putting something together like that's it. Do that. So I use Peloton. I super love it. It's super awesome. It's super easy. It's just a pressing a button. I bought myself some um, um, AirPods. And so I just go to bed with my AirPods in. I take a Unitom. I drink the rest of the water that I drink for the day. And I just kind of relax into it. Sometimes it requires more than one, but I found that the sleep meditations, the courage meditations, and the patience meditations are really, really good for getting to sleep. Um, I've also found that the body check um, meditations are really nice for during the day. Um, And I also think the courage and the patience ones are really helpful during the day as well. But those are really beneficial with the sleep ones um, for sleeping. And the sleep meditations are, you can choose, like there are some that are 5, 10, and 15, 20 minutes. I use the 20 minute ones because I need um, to feel like I'm relaxed enough. And most days I'm knocked out by the time I even get into the full meditation because they have a countdown. But that's what I like. I really like that. Um, I do walk on my Peloton tread. And honestly, I don't think you need a Peloton tread to walk. So just walk outside. Um, I live near a nature trail. So now that the weather is warmer here um, where I am, it's not particularly warm for more than half of the year, but, and it's raining a lot because of the spring, but I definitely make use of that trail. It's free. It's easy. It's just straight down the street. I'm sure that wherever you are, you can find something that's similar. Um, I mentioned journaling before. So journaling is so key. It's so useful. I have several journals. I have journals for different kinds of moods and feelings. Never feel like you're wasting money by getting more than one journal. It is a self-care sort of idea that you don't have to have one journal to express your different ideas. And you should be able to have sort of different journals for different, um, ideas that you have or different, like whatever your mood is. Right. And so I, I think that's been really helpful for me. I also get special pens and like pens that make me happy and things of that nature. Um, lately I've not been in the best self-care space for eating. 
So I'll just be honest about that. I've been engaging in all sorts of fast foodie type of things. Um, but I do enjoy um, going to Whole Foods. And so it doesn't have to be that. I also belong and am an, am an owner at a uh, co-op. And so I like the, just taking the time. So the self-care of that is um, really just pausing in the space where the wherever you're going to have food and not rushing so that's the other self-care tip i have is just with food don't rush um, if you're going to the grocery store take the time i i do i go as much as i need to during the week so i won't be like oh i have to stock up i'm gonna go buy like hundreds of dollars worth of food so that i don't have to come back here um, the grocery store can be a meditative space as well and i found that i find things that i really enjoy or I want to try if I'm there and I have the time and space to really look through the aisles. So um, that's something I encourage. And the reason why I said Whole Foods, I'm not endorsing Whole, Whole Foods, but I do really like that. It's really hard to go down a really stupid rabbit hole <laughs> with food and it is stressful to be a stepmom. So I, I just really am just bringing that up as an option. Um, Co-ops are nice and farmer's markets too. So those are some suggestions. Um, I take baths. I do a lot of bathing. I think that it's a nice way to just sort of get in touch with like, here's my leg. <laughs> it sounds so silly, but you get moving during the day and you just, you're disconnected sometimes. And especially if it's a traumatic space where people are um, throwing lobs of just crap at you. Um, it's really nice to just pause and be like, I like you leg. I like you body. I like you me. Um, and take the time to just appreciate yourself. Um, I buy nice bath salts and bath bombs and um, bath soaps and bath oils. And I just take the time to, I turn all the lights off so there's really no stimulation and I just relax. Um, another thing I'm doing is that I just explore different enrichment things. So right now I'm getting a health coaching um certificate and um, I'm grateful to be doing that. I'm also completing a PhD program and um, those kinds of things are enriching but something as simple as just picking up a magazine that like sparks your interest in the store and reading it all the way through can be a great way to just engage in self-care to spark your interest in yourself or something that you discover through the reading that you really like and are interested in. So those are some of my self-care tips. Um, I'm just leaving this here today because I was thinking about it, because I was kind of considering it. I think the final tip is to relax um, in general. Just like you cannot solve the problems of the people that are around you because you just happen to walk into this space. You have to remember that there was something that was broken in the first place. That's why you're the step parent. And I don't mean that in any sort of judgmental way, but people get divorced because there's some sort of lack of happiness. And that's the reason why you ended up in the space of being remarried to this person that also has kids because they were broken. There was something that was broken. And just because you come into the space and become connected with this other person who has the children doesn't mean that the brokenness isn't still there. So you can't spend a lot of your energy or time being wrapped around the idea of trying to fix things or that everything is fine because you're there. So one of the self-care things is to not try to do that, not try to put yourself in a position where you need to fix it 
or that you are the fixer or that you fixed it (laughs) or it's fixed. You don't need to remove that whole entire concept from your vocabulary in your mind um, process because that's not what you're there for. And if you are, you need to maybe assess what you're doing in that space. So those are my tips for self-care today. I know that there will be more because there's all kinds of things that you can do for self-care and probably I'll do something that's a little bit more organized in the future. But um, I just wanted to do like a free form thought of like, how can you engage in self-care as a stepmom and in the position that you're in, if you are a stepmom with um, a family where you are the, the different one, right? Like you're the, you're racially different or culturally different or whatever the difference is, right? So hope it helps. Hug, somebody's calling me right when I'm trying to record here. Knock it off. All right. So um, like I said, I hope this helps and I hope you have a great day and I'll be back on um, soon with another installment of The Kind and Good, the podcast for Get Your Shit Together for Stepmoms. This has been Kim Jones and I hope you have an amazing Stepmom Day.